0: So we may now consider, as we shall be enabled. words you will find in the portion of scripture we read together. The second book of Samuel, chapter 22. And we shall read again at the 36th verse. Verse 36. hast also given me the seed of Thy salvation, and Thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, so that my feet did not slip. and. The As we have um, the parallel passage in the 18th Psalm, we have um, a few words more added to this At verse 35 in Psalm 18, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation. And this is what is added, Thou thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy gentleness hath made me great. Thou hast enlarged my steps under me, that my feet did not slip. And we are told at the beginning of this chapter that David spake unto the Lord the words of the song, in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies, and out of the hand of Saul, so that it is a song of praise unto the Lord for his deliverance. In the first place, temporal deliverance. Perhaps we are inclined sometimes to set up a false antithesis between the temporal and the spiritual. But if which our vision were wide enough we could see that all deliverance is of the Lord and all deliverance shows forth is loving-kindness and tender mercies. We should overlook nothing in contemplating the doings of the Lord. What he does in his providence, using providence in the sense of um, his temporal dispensations among the sons of men, what he does in his providence shows for his disposition. And that is why we ought to consider the works of the Lord, because they are all an index. To His own character. We cannot contemplate them apart from the Lord. We cannot consider them aright unless we view them as being accomplished by His Almighty Art. And if we view them in this light, then they will all show hope his disposition, his gentleness, his kindness, his goodness, his long-suffering, his patience. And it is as we knew them in that life, including his great deliverances, the deliverances that affect the souls of men for all eternity. It is viewing them we say in that light, that we would cons- like to consider this passage for a little disease. Thou hast given me the shield of thy salvation. Now that means but the Lord protected him. When his enemies rose up against him to destroy him, the Lord was round about him. The Lord Himself became His shield, and no weapon has ever been forged, no malice of the devil can penetrate this tree. It is the only one that can protect us in the evil days. Now you remember that when Paul catalogs the armor of the Christian, he refers to the shield of a. He refers to the helmet of salvation. Of course, there is no contradiction between what the psalmist says here and what the apostle says in that particular passage in the Epistle to the Ephesians. It is true to say that the shield of the... the shield which is God himself. A no, faith has no shield. It is not a shield in and of itself, because faith is with the exercise of the soul towards God. But the shield of faith is God himself. It is laid hold of God by faith. And the same is true here. The shield of thy salvation, thou hast given it to me. How did he give it to him? How was it true that he was protected by God? And what is more to the point? How is it that he is enabled and constrained to sing this um, outpace to his God. Well, Peter explains that to us when he says of the Church of God that they are kept by the power of God through Him unto salvation. by the power of God, through Him, unto salvation. Thou hast given me the shield of Thy salvation. And that includes both God's protection or if you prefer it, God Himself, and also, the faith to lay hold upon Him. The man to whom God gives the shield of His salvation, He gives him faith, in other words, to lay hold of God Himself. And this brings us on another step. It brings us it is the great and glorious fact that God may, in this sense, through his own grace, that he may be laid hold of, that it is possible through God's grace, to lay hold of God Himself. And that, of course, is the essence of salvation. This is how God has ordained and appointed things. This is the salvation which he presents to us in the word of his grace. This is the salvation concerning which the prophets and the apostles
1: testify,
0: and there is no other salvation. In the Lord always For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength but the question might be asked what good is that to me that in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength well it would confer no benefit it would be no cause for jubilation If God in his grace did not present himself and give himself in such a way that the hand of a may lay hold upon him. And this of course brings us to the essence of the wonder of God's grace. Just think, the great and glorious Jehovah the creator of the ends of the earth who is worshipped in the light of the glory the glory which is his own in whose presence the angels they'll then place his holy Holy, holy is Jehovah, the God of hosts. Imagine this God coming into such a relationship with sinners. As that He gives Himself unto them to be their protection, to be their sustenance, Yea, to be there own and in all, both here and hereafter. Imagine the condescension of the eternal in doing this. That on the one hand, and on the other, imagine the honor that is placed upon those who are thus Brought into such a relationship with God. We might say. That the gospel consists. That salvation consists. In the greatest condescension. On the part of God and the greatest honor being put upon man. That's the salvation. And it is that precisely to which the psalmist refers in the next clause. Thy gentleness has made me great. Now, the word gentleness might uh, be equal whether well perhaps better translated by condescension the word comes from a a word meaning humble the root meaning of the word is humble now we don't refer to God being humble but we refer to God as drawing into relationship with men condescending who come near them in that relationship. Thy condescension. And oh, what marvelous condescension this is. For you will notice that the condescension brings God Himself in the person of His Son into us the wherein it is said of him that he humbled himself condescension passes over into humility and that he supposes the incarnation it is only to god in his incarnate state that is to christ jesus has made flesh that we can apply the word um Humble. He humbled himself and was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Thy condescension. Now it is worthwhile to pause here. It is worthwhile to consider, yea, and to go on considering, this condescension of God in dealing with his enemies. Dealing with those who were enemies by reason of wicked works, who had committed two great evils, who had forsaken the north, the fountain of living water, and had You know for themselves, cisterns, broken cisterns that could hold no water. Yet, it was coming to the rescue of such that he condescended to come into this relationship with them. And the relationship, of course, is a covenant relationship. The ultimate, the last thing of which we can speak by way of a transaction in God's dealings with his people is the covenant. Everything in salvation is to be considered within the ambit of the covenant. The covenant of peace made between the persons of the Godhead. Before the world was. We cannot consider. That the various elements. In the salvation of the church. We cannot consider them in isolation. If we have to have a scriptural view. If we have to have a consistent view of them. We must consider them within. Within. The ambit of the covenant. Take for instance the atonement. How are we to consider the atonement, which is the supreme truth, which is the seed of the God's relationship with the speakers? Now we should remember that we cannot consider the atonement in and by itself. We'll get into all sorts of difficulties. We'll either arrive at a universal atonement or else arrive at something which is no atonement at all. How are we to consider it? Within the bounds of the covenant of grace it is there that the atonement finds its right setting it is there we can consider it in a scriptural manner it is there that we can see what it is and what it is not and this is god's condescension we have to trace the manifestation of the kindness of God. The tender mercies of the Lord we have to trace these as to their manifestation or the mode of their manifestation to the covenant of grace made before the world was. Now this is not merely a piece of speculative thought. It is not something that is removed from everyday occurrence. Something that belongs in a region to which we cannot aspire or attain. It is something which is made known in the consciousness of the believer as he is taught of God. Have you never been brought to this? Considering the Lord's kindness and goodness to yourself, have you never been led to think that it was an unspeakable wonder of grace? that the Lord would have thought of you in your individual insignificance that the Lord would have thought of you amidst the tremendous epochs of history amidst the things that are of so much more importance than your individual case. Have you ever been made to wonder that the Lord, so to speak, had time—that is not a proper way of speaking—but speaking in the language of men—that the Lord had time to think of you in your lowest state, not only not not now, but that he thought of you before the world was—wasn't that? marvelous condescension and that condescension we say you have to find in the covenant of grace where god appointed the bounds of your habitation where he appointed his manner of revealing himself to you where He appointed the place where this would happen, yea, where He appointed all concerning you. Thy condescension, Thy marvelous loving kindness, in thinking upon such a thing, Isaiah, we may also, Thy marvelous condescension passes the thoughts of men and of angels. It transcends all forms except gods, all but gods. But what has this condescension done? It has made me great. Thy condescension has made me great. In what does this greatness consist First of all, we have to trace it in the line of genealogy. People trace their pedigree, their genealogy to great men of old. Men rejoice, and ghost of their ancestors. Mm-hmm. You can see that often. There you can read that uh, certain families can trace their genealogy uh, back to uh, say the 10th century or further back. And the glory in this that their forefathers had a place of importance in history. Now the greatest that belongs to the people of God goes much further back. It transcends history. Because the psalmist stays in another place. Because of their genealogy. That's not the word that's used there, but this is the of. Because of their genealogy, Thy people are made princes. And to whom do they trace their genealogy? To God Himself. They are the sons. Not of this mighty man or that mighty man, but the sons of God and their greatness, their nobility, Consists entirely in this. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That we should be called the sons of God. And we are. That we should be called the sons of God and we are. This is that nobility. The nobility of their descent. They were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. What an open line of descent. They have affinity. They have relationship with the great Jehovah. Oh, what condescension on his part brought them to be raised to such a level, to be elevated to such a height. Thy condescension has made me great. And we mustn't consider the one without the other. We mustn't consider the condescension of God apart from the salvation of His people. And we mustn't consider the salvation of His people apart from the condescension of God. And this is a fact of experience as well as a fact of revelation. He who has been brought to this lineage, with the sovereignty of God's grace, to trace his lineage to God himself, must consider that in the light of God's condescension. The Lord does not bestow his gifts upon men to make them proud. He certainly bestows his gifts on them to make them great. But in making them great,
1: how are they
0: safeguarded from being found in their greatness? Well, the Lord's wisdom has sinned to that. The provision of the covenant effects that. Because the Lord doesn't reveal to anyone that he is made great without at the same time having revealed to him that it was through God's condescension that this has come about. And that is what balances the thought of the Christian in as far as it is balanced in Actistia this His gifts are on the one side of the balance. On the other, there is the manifestation of God's condescension. So that the bestowal of gift, of grace, the bestowal of greatness on the soul, is not meant who raised the soul in pride. But strange as it may seem, there is nothing that will humble the soul like being informed of its greatness through God's operation, through God's condescension on its behalf. Do you want to be made humbled? You're not conscious of the pride The cursed pride of your heart And the cursed pride of your heart Even in the things of God What will make you humble? To strip you of everything And to leave you as it were Faded, naked and bare No, that is not the best way yet that is not the way at all To make a person humble A person may be brought into the depths of destitution, spiritually speaking. he may have to complain that there is nothing in it, from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head, but wounds and bruises and putrefying souls. But brought into that condition, such is the ungodliness the deceitfulness of the heart, that there will be lurking in that condition, a certain species of pride, because one knows this is the case. But what will banish this, at least for the moment? Nothing, my friends, but to behold the condescension of God. His gentleness, His loving kindness, His tender mercy is sufficient, and only that is sufficient for banishing, for the time being, the exercise of cursed pride in the human heart. If I think of myself as being made great or how how I rise up just like a balloon and just for that same reason because of being empty inside. But if I am going to be stabilized, if I am going to have a balanced view, of things as they are, I must look at salvation in the light of its cost and no man yet has been able to entertain pride looking at the name of the God that taketh away the sin of the world. My gentleness, has made me great. Not with the greatness that rises up in creature sufficiency and creature strength, but the greatness that consists in God's grace, in being brought into the relationship of children unto the Father and being brought by way of death. Even the death of the Redeemer. The cursed death. Of the cross. This is the place to be there. These are the thoughts to entertain. Thoughts that are God magnified. And self-abased. That exalts God. And humbles the sinner. And never is the sinner. Greater. Than when he is. Most humble. Yet His greatness cannot be separated from the exercise of godly humility in the presence of the God who has made Him great. This then is the song of thanksgiving. This is the song that is new every morning. This is the song that they who are saved from the earth are unable to sing. This is the song they begin to sing here. They begin to sing it. Shall we say in broken accents. But the time is coming. When they shall sing it. Perfectly in the presence of their God. Even now, when they try to sing it, there are so many jarring notes. There is this, there is that, there is the next thing to be considered. But those who have begun to sing it, even in such broken notes, have the earnest. That they will sing it that together, And the essence The burden of it is this Unto him who loved us And saved us from our sins And washed us from our sins in his own blood Be glory and honor Majesty and praise World without end So let it be let us pray. O oh, blessed one, be merciful unto us, to us. Thy kind, grant thy condescension would make us great, and that we would be able to interpret this in the light of the word of truth. And we would bless thee not only for what thou givest to thine own, but the manner in which Thou dost give it to them, and the effect it produces on them. Herein is Thy wisdom made known, not only in what Thou hast done, not only in what Thou hast provided, not only at what Thou dost give, but the way Thou hast appointed things, that Thine own glory may be enhanced, and that they, even through Thy gifts, will be unable to take the place that belongs to them. Oh, what wisdom is here. Grant us, blessed one, to wonder thereat, that is, to wonder at Thyself. Take away all sins and accept of us in Christ, and thou shalt have the praise. Amen.